Welcome to the Paradigm Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here with Dean Lee. Uh, today, we're going to get into uh, kind of a lot of topics in a way. We're going to try to stick to some main things about um, what coaches are doing wrong and how to be a better client. Um, we kind of wanted to start off with this, uh, something I put in my story not long ago. Um, I was at my daughter's softball tournament. Mind you, she's nine years old, so this is a 10U team. And um, I believe the girl uh, that was pitching was a 10-year-old. Um, and so they have a tournament, you know, started on Thursday. Uh, so it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? And we went to the game on Friday. They had a single game, and this pitcher threw. We didn't. Uh, we were out of town at a, at a meet, so we didn't get to go to any of the Saturday games. Um, but I I'd mentioned some this to someone who was there, and they said, "Yeah, she threw yesterday too." My concern was is that when we were there Sunday, um, this girl ended up throwing the equivalent of twelve innings. So she pitched. Um, the entire day, every single inning of every game they had. And they ended up, um, I think they were like, f- they were in the last four in the um, county or whatever. So they went pretty deep into this tournament. So mind you, this girl that I saw in just 72 hours threw about 15, 16 innings worth. I don't know what she ended up throwing on Saturday. All right. Now, if you've never been to a 10U softball game, it's a lot of pitches. It's it's a lot of walks. It's a lot of, you know, you go, um, you know, I, I would say on average five pitches per batter, and it's not very many three up, three you know, three out kind of situations. Um, it's, again, a lot of walks. It takes time to get the outs and stuff. So, you know, if you start to calculate this out, um, through the let's just take the single day right so let's say she threw average of five pitches to per batter and let's say she just faces um five batters an inning which is very low but let's just say she did that that would be 25 pitches in an inning right mm-hmm. now times that by 12 that's 300 pitches that that girl threw just Good on once on a sunday right and you'll get this excuse of um coaches saying that like well it's it's underhand um it's not as harsh on their body as it is like overhand and this and that uh no okay to an extent yes you can pitch a little bit more often underhand but we're talking one about a 10 year old this 10 year old was exhausted you could see it in her face coming off some of the innings like she would walk off that mound just like slump down you know so it's a lot of work and a lot of concentration. And what these dumbasses don't know is her. when you're pitching, it's very highly concentrated, not only on the body, but on the brain. So that's going to wear you down as well because you're trying to pinpoint your accuracy and you're trying to work the mechanics of this throw. And mind you, she's she's throwing every 20 seconds or so. This isn't like a long drawn out thing where she's setting up and like they get the ball back and like 10 year olds, they line back up and they whip it again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so she did this f- for hours and they only had 15 minutes between games sometimes on some of them, 20 minutes, wow. you know, it was pretty much go to the next walk over to the next field that was right there, uh, warm back up, 
<laughs> which they're already pretty much still warm. Mm-hmm. You know, they maybe had five minute quick warm up and then went right back to playing again. I think the longest break they had um, was maybe like 45 minutes through one of the games, right? So, um, you know, the amount of stress on that girl's body at that point, I can't even fathom, you know. But you know what? She got at the end of the tournament, you know, the coaches like, she, you know, they were handing out like kind of like player awards and she got the one for being like tough and all this. And I wanted to be like, well, no shit. Like, <laughs> no shit. That girl's tougher than you. Like you're, you're a moron. And the, and the sad part is not her parents didn't say anything because they don't know any better. And I understand like, you know, you, you probably want the team to win. You don't want to pull your child and stuff. But at, at that point, you get up and you go tell a coach, no, that like if that were my daughter doing it. I would have said, no, she's done. I don't I could care less if you guys lose the entire tournament. She's done. You know, and you need to stop risking. And this is through all sports. Stop risking your child's health long term as an athlete to win some bullshit games that like in the grand scheme of things aren't going to matter. You know, you see right. it, you see it a lot. Um, I coached a kid, um, this is way back, uh, around 2013, all Ohio football player. Uh, I think it was all Ohio and everything he played, or at least he was damn, he was all County. I know that, uh, three sport athlete, you know, and, um, all Ohio quarterback. And he ended up having his arm like basically thrown out his freshman year of college, because one, he he'd already thrown a decent amount, but once he went to that college level, all they did was throw, 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 and there was no prehab work, there was no rehab work, there was no time to rest, there was yeah. nothing, and he ended up having surgery, you know, within his first two years of college football, you know, it's you see it all the time in baseball, where yeah, kids are are pretty damn young having these surgeries now to because, the point that they think it's almost normal yeah well yeah this is what you do you just yeah, get a surgery at yeah some this, point. Is what, this is what happens um because parents are putting their kids in these travel ball teams and these travel ball teams it's all prestige so they just want to win 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 so they throw these kids constantly you know when i was younger we always had a rotation and sure you might see a guy who might have pitched four or five six innings come back a couple days later maybe he finishes out a game for us because we need the win mm-hmm. you know he, he does a one or two inning or at most you know um when i was in high school baseball the rotation was even tighter like you had to rest so many days before you pitched again kind of thing um i just i i, I try to figure out the logic behind some of this shit and i, I just can't it doesn't exist no or they think that they have logic for it, but it doesn't actually make sense on the reasoning that they're using. I was really impressed. I have a client who's a pitcher at a local high school, and he had strained his shoulder uh, as a in the previous season. And he did travel ball, but his strain, from what I could tell in the story he was saying, was from just a lack of strength. Like he mm-hmm. hadn't taken the time to build strength. Yeah. And so that's what he was doing. Like, while he was injured, like, he made it a point where he wasn't doing any pitching drills or anything like that. He was just working on strength. And the coach was smart enough to say that, you know, we're going to bring you back really slow and we're just going to do small amounts. We're going to figure out volume on what you can handle. So from my standpoint, like, that sounds amazing to me. 
that you've got somebody who's smart enough about it that they're not just saying like, hey, can you throw again? Mm-hmm. Can you throw full speed? Yeah. Can you throw full volume again? And just like rush right in. Because at that age, I mean, that kid's going to want to get back to it as soon as possible and they're yeah. going to completely neglect what their body might be telling them. Yeah. So to hear that that existed was fantastic, but that's not the norm Mm-mm. in any way. No. I and I would hope that you know more education's there now that like parents especially are stepping up at some point and saying like no my kid's not going to throw especially if they have the ability to go on to the next level like the last thing you want is throw out their arm by their junior year of high school you know so they can't go to the next level or go as high to the next level as they possibly could you know is the idea the experience I, I mean with your with what you've watched in the athletes I, you've worked with like is that the thought is like well if they throw more if they're playing more I think it's they they don't they feel like if they sit they're not going to get as much notoriety you know um, and then everyone like especially some people that are real competitive they just want to win and they know like if they're throwing you know they're in the best position to win mm-hmm. or like that kid that um, went to college it's like he was fighting for a spot you know he he was a freshman I think they had a senior quarterback so like next year might be his year that he's coming up to start as a sophomore mm-hmm. and um, it's like he's fighting for that position you know so maybe that was some of it that he just kept going through a little bit of pain um, it, it's hard it's just like any other athlete it's hard on the athlete to stop on their own if that makes sense yeah most competitive athletes are going to push it to the absolute edge um it's on the coaches the parents you know whoever's overseeing these things to say no you need to back it down here's why you know that's why i really like when you were saying that you had rotations that you had to go through it's Mm -hmm. just imposed like you're not throwing yeah for these number of days yeah now where does that come from well science that's saying like you need a certain number of days of rest in between because Beyond that, that's when you start to see injuries happen. It's like, we're not going to give the kids a choice. You are going to rest during that yeah. time. And they will hate it. And yeah. they might fight it. But those are the rules. Yeah. And I like hearing those rules come into play. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, and once you get up to being more of an asset, uh, especially like once you're, uh, you know, obviously at the pro level and then, you know, high collegiate levels are the same way for the most part. Um, they're going to try to preserve that talent, but especially when they start paying you, yeah, you know, they don't waste a couple hundred thousand dollars on you uh, to pull you into their, you know, farm system or whatever, and throw out your arm before you ever get a chance right. to debut. You know, so, um, you know, and sometimes it's just it's uh, for a lack of better term, genetics, like it your body wasn't able to hold up to what was needed to be at that next level to an extent. I'm not saying everyone should blame every injury. I'm like, Oh, genetics (laughs) got me. Damn it. You know, but I will say this kind of funny, kind of funny story. Um, like my brother has torn his ACL. Mm -hmm. I've torn my ACL. We both did it the same way. Um, I've torn a bunch of ligaments, in my ankle, my mom's torn a bunch of ligaments in her ankle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting that like, We've all torn some shit. Now it's not it's not like they're uncommon injuries. 
But, but I bet you could find some kind of common factor yeah. that is genetic mm-hmm. that kind of predisposed you to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some, some genetic uh, lack of flexibility in there. So maybe there's something there. Maybe it, who knows? I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things uh, that, that it could possibly be. It could be structure. You know, hmm. could be, um, you know, the way the body's structured and the amount of force that, you know, happens and things like that. Cause that's how I mean, it's basically how you tear, tear an ACL um, is there's enough force going one way and you're trying to go the other Got way sheer and yeah, cut you off. Oof. Um, um, yeah. So there, there could, um, yeah, not, I'm not, no one's opened me up <laughs> to, to look at scabble. Yeah. Cut my whole family up and let's see. All right. Um, yeah, so that was kind of uh, one thing I want to talk about quick. Um, we can kind of tie that in a little bit. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like some things that coaches are doing wrong, but then I want people to continue listening because we're going to get into like how to be a better client as well. Um, so I guess we could, you know, we kind of talked about sport athletes there for a second in a certain situation. Um but let's get back to like, you know, lifting sports and things like that. Um, we're starting to see a lot of the same fucking shit. Uh, and I don't Please know if it's elaborate. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the, the rise of the internet in just trying to pull as much, as many clients as you can and as much revenue stream as you can or whatever. A lot of coaches that talk a lot of bullshit, mm-hmm. but then whenever you hear from people that have worked with them, you end up finding out that they don't actually do anything for their clients. And let me elaborate on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, like I feel like there's a lot of coaches that are putting out like maybe a little bit of content or maybe they're screaming this in their story about how to be a better coach and what coaches should be doing, but then they don't do it. Right. You know? Um, and to an extent, like when we're getting this, when we talk about client side is like, you know, you shouldn't babysit your clients, but you should be giving like some feedback once in a while. I mean, it's kind of what they're paying you for. Right. Um, but then also the biggest thing to me is if they're paying for a fucking individual program, they should be getting an individual program. Um, unless you've put it out there or again, we've mentioned this before, like if it's beginning of cycle, um, off season, two people can kind of be running something similar. I kind of get it. Um, cause there is a model God, I'm just giving out all the cheat codes here. Um, <laughs> there's a model. So this is what a lot of coaches will do. And this is what they kind of teach you in the IG fitness world is you basically run a template of all the lifts and different, you know, frequent or different, um, different set schemes and the program will look the same and you just adjust the intensity or the volume or whatever for that person. But the lifts will be the same and you'll see like 20 people on the same exact daily program. Mm -hmm. It's just the rep scheme might be changed up a little bit. And I'm not going to say that might not work because it might, you know, it's, this is powerlifting or weightlifting. It's boring shit for the most part. Like it's pretty repetitive. Right. Right. So yes, that might work to an extent, 
but I feel like there's, there's coaches that are using that as their main hub of like, this is what I do in pushing it out that way. As opposed um, to this is what as, I start with. As, a, as opposed to like, okay, maybe there's, I don't know, let's say you got 30 clients and maybe like three or four of them are on this and then everyone else is just highly individualized and I'm figuring it out, you know, something like that. Maybe mm -hmm. I could kind of see, but like your whole like 30 person client list running the same thing, like doesn't, in, unless it's like a, uh, a club style programming that's a little bit different like if you're on a so some people will tear it this is my individual 100% individual everything should be different this is my club style where it might be a little bit cheaper you're all going to kind of run the same program but it yeah. is a little bit more feedback based but it's not a template you know right um, you know there's some that do like those different tiers uh, and there's some, you know, like I know for, for weightlifting here, like a lot of people will do a lot of the same stuff on the same day, especially like they're grouped into levels a lot of times. So like the more intermediate people are more on this program, mm -hmm. the higher level people are more on this program, you know, and that can work. And then there needs to be the fine tuning within that though. Yeah. Of, okay, we're going to adjust this, 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 right? Um, and not to say it doesn't work, but could it be more optimal at times for some one, two, three, four people? Maybe, you know. Um, but that's like a club style program, mm -hmm. right? So I guess what I'm getting at is like, don't say you're going to do this one thing and then do the complete opposite. Because that seems to be what keeps happening, you know. Uh, I feel like a lot of coaches that are getting overwhelmed with clients are pushing them towards their template or their, I don't know, whatever they're doing, their, their monthly group app or whatever. You know what I mean? Got to get that subscription. Yeah. Um, to gain those subscriptions off the premise of like, well, I've coached these people and they've all been, you know, individually coached and they've reached this level. Yeah. Cause you individually coached them. No shit. You know, so you have your individual coach people and these are your, like your, you know, your prize breed horses. Mm -hmm. And you say like, yeah, all these people, but all those people were getting the attention in the actual individual program. Why? Meanwhile, there's the whole batch of others that were just getting templated out, you know? So what would you encourage to clients? to ask or to find out when they're looking at a coach, talking to a coach. I, I would ask if like how you know, on your program structure, is it individualized or is it more of a group program? Um, as far as, well, I see a bunch of other people on the same, ex doing the same exact lifts on the same, you know, same exact rep schemes as me, or is it going to be different? You know, stuff like that. Like, um, and then have that upfront knowledge of what you're getting versus thinking that you're going in, it's going to be this individualized thing. And then you find out, you know, 15 people are on the same exact program. And all you're doing is basically getting that email sent to you every week of the same fucking program. Right. Um, now again, like a prime example would be like general population. All right. For general population, 
yes, you can put 30 people on the, on nearly the same program and it's probably going to work for most of them. It, as long as you're grouping it right, mm-hmm. like this is the program I have written out, that's going to work for these five, six people. Okay, plug that in. I have this program you know, written out. That's going to work for this group of three people. Okay, we'll put them there. You know, then that's understandable because especially newbies, like they're going to gain Anything on works. almost everything. Right. You know, you're just trying to get them to enjoy the gym and like the gym and stuff. Um, I've done it before where like everyone's doing, um, as far as gen pop is doing like the same lifts and then I adjust their cardio or circuits or, um, maybe I take out a day for this person or add a day for another person, stuff like that. And again, that makes it a little bit easier on the coach side and they're still going to get what they need on the client side, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but I, I just feel like there's uh, – it's not exactly – it's not like snake oil scheme, but it's like deceptive in a way. You know what I mean? So I think part of it, coming back to what you said about the rise of internet, social media, training, where at the same time that you have coaches trying to make a name for themselves mm-hmm. and there's all this push about we got to put out this kind of content and this is how you want to engage with people yeah. there's also this information for entrepreneurs which is what strength coaches are mm-hmm. like if you don't realize that like you are your own business you yeah. are an entrepreneur whether yeah. you realize it or not and there's entrepreneurial information that comes out where it says here's how you maximize your efficiency revenue. and revenue yeah. Yeah. and it's like you got to do this kind of model and then those two things merge together and yeah that's what yeah. you see is how do i take yeah. this information which i've already created which is individualized and was really successful yeah market it to seem as successful but for the masses mm-hmm. and like and, and it is a game of okay so me being in 12 years um you know Pre-internet, guys, like pre-Instagram, that didn't happen. Like if you found a coach that's been in more than 10 years in the fitness industry, like in they that was their main way of living, that was something to be said because people didn't last in this industry and they still don't, but people didn't last in this because there was no money in it, right? right. You were in it because you love to help people. Now, because of Instagram, people have found that you can make a little bit of money, especially if you can make a name for yourself. So it is driving like that business side of it. And that's where people are fucking with people. And it's not fair to the consumer. Um, charging, you know, $200 for an email, for a template. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't give a shit who you think you are. You don't know, like, you're not going to know anything more than these other people. Now, if this is a... Um, I would say like $200 if it came from a highly specified individual on an individual goal, say I'm coming back from an ACL tear. Here is your full rehab plan, uh, each month of what you need to do. Yeah. I would probably pay $200 for that. There are cases where it's justified where it's like, there's a lot of thought coming in. I mean, there is some like quote unquote, like status, uh, level points that you need to get to in, and that's what they teach you in these schools. Um, 
but like if it was very detailed, like if me and you mixed a program together, mm-hmm. yeah, that's $200 a month. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like easily. If we sat here and told you like everything that you need to do on recovery plus your programming side, I mean, that's e- that's clearing 200 Now, if someone can sit down and do that, then yeah, that that's worth the price tag probably, you know, but to get sent. Um, a basic gem pop workout, Katie Hearn style thing for $200 a month. And yes, I'm blasting Katie Hearn right now because that's who did it. Um, get people coming to me. Yeah. I was spending $200 a month on her plan. Like, well, what did it look like? And it's like (laughs) a couple things like, wait, what? Okay. Um, and we're the same people that have said like, you have to put a, a value on your time. Yeah. So if you, really don't want to be doing something and someone's asking you to do it like, yeah you can put a premium on that however yeah. you're clearly not in that scenario when you're trying to get as many people as possible to yeah. pay this like this is not well, a that, premium like those for are time i mean at her where she's at like a lot of that stuff's just auto generated right. anyway it's not even like she's sitting there sending it out um there's some other coaches that are that it's that way where like basically it auto generates in, or like they put it in like a Facebook group or a, on like their website and you have to have the code to get in to see it or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, and they just click, click, boom, it's up for their, you know, 3000 people that are on it. And mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy. Um, but the, uh, Oh God, now I'm blanking. I want to get to this. Um, oh, there was somewhere I was going with that because there was another. There was another part to that. How to be a better client? No, no, it was on the. Oh my god, it's, it's in like my brain. Okay, I Mike. thought about it like three times while we were talking, and then I never <laughs> brought it up. Um, oh yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, just takes max. Okay, so quickest things to run from, and you're starting to see it a lot. All right, if you see someone say, and this is happening more and more, just look around at the coaches. If you see, I'm looking for ten busy moms uh, who want to change their life, or whatever the fuck kind of terminology they want to use, or I'm looking for five busy women. That fucking bullshit, guys, look all over Instagram. There's a reason everyone keeps saying that shit. It's because the IG fitness fucking guru people that make all this money, or at least tell you they do, are telling you to target certain groups and then make urgency and all that shit out of it. The people saying this, I can tell you, I wish I could say her fucking name, who is not far down the road that just posted this not long ago. The girl's got no clients. She can't get hired anywhere. No one will hire her. She has no clients. She's Mm. never had clients. Like, they are trying to target. This is why they say, I want 10 busy moms or I want uh, whatever. You know, what are they targeting in there? They're targeting women who are busy, quote unquote, and whatever that means. Right. Through watching your, your kids and taking care of the household, through um, work through whatever you got to be a busy person and you got to be a mom. It's mean you have kids. Mm. All right. They're targeting people who have had 
babies and maybe are not in the best position or feel like they're not in the best position as they were pre-baby, mm-hmm. right? They're targeting a specific population, not because they want to help you, because you're the most vulnerable. You're in a, a point where you might not feel like your body is the same as it used to be. And they are targeting you to be able to take your fucking money and say they're going to help you. Maybe they do help you. Not saying they're not going to. But the reason they're targeting you is because that's a very vulnerable uh, I don't want to call it easy group to sell, but it is a group generally that wants to get back into a better position and they will pay money to get back into a better position, right? They're not saying I need five women that are 23 and under and I'm going to change your life. Where's that message? Where's the, I need 10 guys who work labor jobs, who don't have time to work out and I'll help you out. Where's that shit? That's actually a good idea. You don't see it, right? <laughs> I'm just I'm just listing people that we work with. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've never sat here. Now, if you want to target a specific group, like um, I specialize in forty and over um, people. Uh, well, just forty and overs. Okay. If you want, you know, more gen pop, more, I need more for health or something, you, and that's your baseline. I've seen people that specialize in working with, um, and usually they're, they have some, you know, education behind them, but they specialize in working with like post uh, operational, uh, post operational, that sounded sound stupid, <laughs> post, uh, post op people. So like they've came out of surgery, so they've came, had a heart attack. Okay. They ha- they've had some kind of severe medical issue, and they need. They're basically a lightweight PT, and they might even have that designation. They might be a PT, right? You know, but they also do the personal training side because they know that side. So like, yes, there are people that specialize in those areas. Um, I saw one guy's thing that was like, I help women thirty five and over, like to get fit. Now, why is he targeting that group? Generally, 35 and over, you're more established. You have more disposable income, you know, and maybe that's just like the population he enjoys working with. Maybe he doesn't, you know, young people can be wishy-washy. Maybe he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Maybe he just likes to work with a more mature crowd and that's the way it is. But when you see those specific targeting, like busy women, busy moms, that bullshit, Mm -hmm. there's a reason they're targeting that group. Yep. You know, and then a lot of times, you know, and I don't want to generalize everyone because there's fit as fuck, you know, busy moms. I've seen some fucking shredded and oh, yeah. just like athlete. I mean, look at some of these CrossFit women at the top, you know, look at mm-hmm. the, some of the powerlifters at the top, weightlifters at the top that have multiple kids, you know, the bodybuilders. Like, I, I mean, you can go on forever. Right. Uh, just general pop people that are very healthy. So I don't want to lump them all and say, God, these people are usually unhealthy, but like there are a lot of them that have put themselves in a bad situation or their hormones or, you know, whatever has happened. Um, they just, the, you know, nothing aligned, right. And they might've had some hormone imbalances postpartum and there's some issues and things. Um, so not to say it's easy, but you can see quick gains from them. So what Mm -hmm. they do then is like, Oh, look how great I am because I made this person drop five pounds, 10 pounds. (sighs) you know yep 
it's not very hard. And, but then people see that and like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Because oh, they I think wanna, that that's going to repeat. Yeah. Like they lost it's a 10, classic, now they lose it, another It's 10. a classic thing of like, join our 12-week challenge. This guy lost 30 pounds and like, you can do it too. The only, you know? I was thinking about this the other day. The only thing that I would ever want to do with a 12-week challenge is work on people's habits. That's it. You give me three months, and we're going to build a routine that you do for the next nine months afterward. Yeah. And then you're going to start to see things slowly adapt. And then a year yeah. after that, it's going to keep going. Yeah. And you could build that around like, okay, we're going to do this program. And then I'm, here's the checklist. You need to check the boxes every day. It's kind of like um, I would want more monitoring on it. But like how Andrew Frisilla does the 75 hard thing, right? There's certain things you have What's to do one? for you have to do 75 days and it's like certain points you have to okay i think you have to like work out read post or take or at least take your picture um to see the changes mm -hmm. and then your diet has to be on point or something like okay. that and i don't think they specify what diet to use just eat healthier basically or something um so i would want to get more hands-on with it you know than that but those things, I mean, I've seen people come out of those accountability type things mm -hmm. and um, they stay with it for five years, six years, you know, right. going on down the line. So like something like that would be cool. But yeah, not a come to our 12 week weight loss boot camp and yeah. guaranteed and then you lose your 30 and then you gain 60 and just yo-yo. Yeah. For the next couple so, of years. Oh, and by the way, it's two grand to come. <laughs> like, you know, so. Um, all right. Yeah, let's dive into <laughs> end of that rant. Um, how to be a better client. All right. So we're going to get on the client side here for a second. <sighs> how to be a better client. Oh, I'm going to make all my clients listen to this. They already should listen to this, but they probably don't. But I'm going to make them. Just take the sound clip and email it to all of them. Yeah. Um, so just in your daily habits, all right, and this is kind of good that we're transitioning off the daily habit thing, it's like you need to be doing your part. You know, you need to be making sure that your diet's in check. Your sleep is in check. So that doesn't mean like, hey, I was – eating good from Monday to Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I just let it all go. <laughs> and I was sleeping eight hours during the week, really good. But then on the weekend, you know, I got, I got eight hours, two of them I was really hammered for, you know, got drunk, went to bed, mm -hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> it's gotta be consistent. You know, I get clients that, for example, like on nutrition, like, that will complain of whatever. I'm not here. I'm not there. Um, I'm bloated. I'm this and that. Three days ago, you were getting hammered, eating like a full pizza and stuff, and you wonder why that's that way. Oh, I'm like Phil. And I'm not saying don't enjoy yourself. I did that this weekend. Just you know, understand the consequences. Just understand the consequences. Be in tune with your body. I knew that if I 
ate this, you know, cookout food and some pizza and stuff. You know, we had, there was a 4th of July party late one, you know. I knew eating that food, how it was going to affect me, mm-hmm. and how, how my body would look and how I'd feel for the next day or two. And I didn't make excuses about it. Like, I feel like people are not in tune with their bodies. And the more you can be in tune with your body, the better off you're going to be. Because you know, mm-hmm. like, eating this certain thing or feeling this certain way is only temporary. You know? But if you do it enough, you're not going to have the look you want. Right. You know? Or the performance you want. <sighs> so. How would you define consistent? Consistent being that you know, you have your meals prepared or at least you're cooking them or whatever and you're eating your meals throughout the day every day. Like eating should be one of your top priorities. Drinking water should be one of your top priorities in the day. I don't care what you have going on like in your life. In there should be (laughs) on a priority list, eat and drink water. If you're trying to go for certain goals, and be optimal in, especially on the performance side, you mm-hmm. want to, you want to have performance goals or aesthetic goals, like serious ones. You have to be that way. There is no, like, I don't care what anyone's going to tell you. There is no beating around it. Like you have to have your food and water and your sleep on point. If you don't have yeah. those things on point, you're not going to get better. And I am telling you, I have clients right now that have not gotten better in the last year because they're not consistent. They want to go out, you know, and go on trips every other weekend or every weekend, you know, and like, I don't care how young you are, how talented you are, how whatever, like it doesn't, it's not going to work that way. You'll, you'll baseline, you'll stay at that base forever, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to get better, especially better quicker until you dial those things in. So, you know, you have to have a retributed thing of. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat this, 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 I'm going to sleep. Do you know what I mean? Day after day. Every day. Week after week. Guess what? Month after month. You're going to do that on the weekends too. You want to be yeah. at the top? You're going to give up your weekends. Your weekends are going to become weekdays. Like, yeah, there's real there no is no difference. Yeah. There is no difference. And I promise you that's in anything you ever do that there's not really a difference. You talk to the most successful people, there's no difference in days with them. Now, when you get to a certain point, like where where I've recently become, mm-hmm. is that I have a family. I'm older now. Like I don't. If I need to work on a Sunday, I'll fucking work on a Sunday. But I don't work on. I try not to work on a Sunday anymore. Mm-hmm. I try to cut off my hours. But you know what? I still answer stuff. I still do stuff sometimes. But I try not to work. You know, for about a day. You know, if you take it in twenty four hour terms. So. I was laughing because I was going to ask you, at what point, if you remember, did the week suddenly not change? I hear people say like, oh, thank God it's Friday because I have the weekend off. And then every time I hear that, I'm reminded that it doesn't occur to me Mm-mm. that it's the weekend, Yeah. except you know that, okay, it's Saturday, Sunday, but those days yeah. lost meaning as far that's as why, weekend. That's why uh, I have people, I say if your check-in's not in by Friday or Saturday morning, who knows when I'm answering it mm. for that reason. Like Saturday is still a working day to me. So when everyone thinks that like, Oh, you should be answering me on this time and stuff like that or whatever, like on a Monday. Nope. You know what I did on Monday? 
cleaned my boat and I went boating. That sounds like a good Monday. I did like two, three hours of, you know, a little bit of work in the morning. That's my boating. Mm-hmm. There's people that checked in Sunday. They got an answer this morning. Like, I, if I'm giving up my Saturday, quote unquote Saturday, mm-hmm. to work and to answer you and to be there for you. And you don't take advantage of that? And you don't take advantage of it. Don't expect me to answer you on a Monday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's how, like, that's what people don't understand. Um, you know, look at a lot, a lot of businesses aren't open on a Monday. You think they care if you want to eat at their place that day? No, it's to give their workers rest because they just got hammered through the weekend. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think a lot of society only thinks of like a Monday to Friday, nine to five. Right. They don't understand what, you know, especially entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. That no. no days off thing is kind of true in a way. I mean, I know we've talked about it multiple times, but the idea that uh, forcing ourselves to not do certain things, like on mm-hmm. Sunday, it's like, I'm not checking my phone. Do I still do it? Yeah. Yep. But I have to remind, like, even as I'm doing it, I'm like, you're not supposed to, do- come on, yep, don't answer put it down. That. Yep. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard mm-hmm. to not do it, especially yep. when you have well, people that you enjoy working with. It's, it's like, like when I was, okay, so I went boating Monday. I left this part out. Mm-hmm. Went boating. Um, we were out, uh, we stopped at a little place there to eat at like six 30. Our food was taking forever. So I started looking in my email. I started looking on, you know, I started answering some things mm-hmm. and then I was up until 10 o'clock at night answering messages and emails or whatever. Um, so yeah, sure. Cool part about him being an entrepreneur. I didn't have to ask permission to go screw around at noon on a Monday you know what I mean? But I paid for it. I had to make up for stuff, um, you know, Monday night at 7.30 p.m., 8 p.m. Like I right. had to start making up for stuff uh, that I didn't do that day because today my day is swamped and I need to have that stuff done before today or else that stuff wasn't getting answered till Wednesday. You just so, keep backing up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I kind of know that. But anyway, back to the uh, being a good client. Um. So checking in on time, eating right, doing your part. We can't control your food and sleep. We can't. We can tell you, but we can't mm-hmm. cook it for you. We can't force it down your throat, right? Um, doing your own homework. So I have clients. I have clients that you know you repeatedly tell them things, but then they expect like some new cue to come out of your mouth or some. I just looked up some new science that came out, and now it came out thirty years ago. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you. You gotta, you gotta do your own homework and you gotta know certain things on your own and you have to be self-assessing, but I don't need, I've said, I'm going to repeat this five times. I don't need a paragraph on every training session because I'm watching the same video as you. You don't need to tell me what you're doing wrong. I will see if you're doing something wrong. I might not even tell you if you're doing it wrong. Because I've told you 50 times. If I keep telling you the same thing, we're not going to get anywhere, right? Do you distinguish a difference? I'm just curious. If someone writes and says to you, I'm still having trouble doing this cue as a way of explaining, like, I'm trying, but I'm struggling, as opposed to, oh, I'm still doing this wrong. Yeah, something like that is like, okay, let's think of a different way to explain this. 
versus uh, versus I'll have people that will message me and they'll tell me like everything they're doing wrong. I'm focusing on this, but this is still like you're not focusing on it then. Like if it's if you if you've had multiple train sessions to correct it and you're, you still can't get it down, then you're not focusing on it correctly, which means you probably need a one-on-one session, point blank. Um, that would take some self-awareness to figure out that yeah. hey, I'm still struggling. Yeah. What do I need to do? Yeah. Um. But yeah, people will write you the longest check-ins for nutrition. We don't need to know your entire life. Like I don't, I'm not, yeah. I'm not your therapist too. I don't need to know that. Unfortunately, can, my title has that word at the end of it. Yeah. So, but you can literally tell me, you know, I need to know. Yes. How was your performance? Yes. How, how do you feel? And yes, it is good to know if you're overly stressed out or not. Mm-hmm. Good things to know, but filled in those those questions is three, four sentences sometimes of just like run on like jumbly shit that I don't need to know. Right. You know, and they don't, and and you don't realize like when you're checking in, you're wasting your coach's time by over explaining your life situation. And that might sound rude to people like, Oh, he's saying that I'm wasting his time. Those couple of sentences, every single time, times add it, up. Times it by 20, 30 people who do that. Right. You know what I mean? It's like the small like, transactions that happen on credit cards. Well, it's like, again, my brain and anyone's brain can only handle so much information. So if you're telling me 50 things in there, like there's times I, that people put so much in there that when I'm responding, I have to keep going back and looking at like the questions they had or the because th- I don't want to sound like a dick like I didn't acknowledge what you're right. saying. But like, I'll have to go back and like keep checking what they said to be able to respond because mm-hmm. I'm like, there's so much in there that I can't, you know. But if I'm sitting yeah. here, you know, your cat died and your boyfriend left you and you took five poops instead of one poop and you know what I mean? Like, it's so much information. Like, there's so much coming in with all the extra, like, you know, had some water, but it wasn't quite enough water, but, you know. I made up for it later because I had a Gatorade. Like, whoa, did you drink your water or not? Yes, yes or no. Or no. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Though, like, it gets to that like where it becomes. Um, it's like if I threw junk volume at them, you know. Yeah. It would just overload them for no reason, right? You're overloading for no reason. Calm it down. Not everything's a, a life and death situation. You know, you missed a meal. Not the end of the world. I probably don't need to even know that. You know, right. you miss an entire day or two. Yes. I probably need to know that. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, being, being a better client is about communication and being precise. So you need to eat, sleep, do your check-ins on time, be concise, be communicative. Don't overdo it, you know? Um, and understand that like with every, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you, when should I compete? When should I do this? When should I do that? With every question you're throwing at your coach, sit there and think, can I answer this myself? Can I figure it out myself? 
like I always tell people when they ask me, well, when should I compete again? When do you feel you're ready to compete again? It's your competition, career, life, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't really tell you when to compete. You can kind of manage that yourself. I can give you suggestions, you know, Mm -hmm. of, hey, some people are doing this meet. I'll be there. If this seems like it fits your life, maybe do it because I'll be there. Okay. You know, but, um, you know, I always tell people don't, I, I'm not here. I can't tell you, you know, it's not like other sports when here's your game. We got to get prepared for it. All right. Like here, or here's your 10 games. Like we might compete once or twice a year, might be three times a year, you know, but that's on them to pick. Now, if they're over competing, I'll let them know that. Yeah. If they pick a meet and they pick another one eight weeks later, I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. You know, that's when a coach is stepping in to guide you. Right. But I just, I, I just feel like that a lot of people don't focus on themselves with their training and they're not in tune with themselves with their training. That's how you get better because you need to be able to self-assess during your training sessions and figure out why does this feel like shit? Why are things going good? Like, and put it all together. I slept good. I ate good. My water's good. You know, I'm hydrated. Electrolytes are good. You know, happy mood, whatever the hell. Performing mm-hmm. good. You know? Check, 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 check. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's how you be a better client. So, um, do you have anything on that one? I've had success when, and I've also really appreciated this, that I love talking about recovery, but you get to a certain point, like you've said the same thing over and over and over again. It just, it's too much. But when a client comes in and they say, Hey, I did research on this. Here's what I found. What do you think? That to me shows a lot more respect. Cause like you said, they did their homework. Yeah. Now they're not an expert on it. So they're coming to me to get like expert opinion on Mm -hmm. what they found. Yeah. And so now I can either say, yeah, that sounds right good job yeah. or hey here's what I think you know could be added to it or here's where I think that they're off a little bit for what you need and guide them in the right direction and then they get to go off and do homework again yeah it's like that's probably not what you need to do here's why and go look at that up kind of thing that to me shows a lot more respect for my time but also for how I'm going to be able to best help them so I don't have to educate them on all the stuff yeah. that they found and then explain the why and how I just get to help clarify, saves a lot of time, shows me that they care enough and they're invested enough. So, I mean, that's what I would encourage people to add to that is if you're going to ask questions, do the homework first and then come with something that you're not able to answer or find on your own that, you know, you can get the coaches or practitioners expert opinion on. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think a lot of people too don't, I'm sure you see us all the time, know the difference between like something's uncomfortable and something's hurting and something's injured, you know, <laughs> cause I'll get people that like lifting sports are uncomfortable. Sometimes Yeah, your shoulder might hurt your legs going to be sore. Your hip might feel weird. Mm-hmm. Your knee might feel weird that day. You know, whatever. If it's something that persists, yes, let's look into it. But like people will message me and be like, I don't know. Like 
this part of my shoulder hurts when I'm doing this. What do you think it can be? That's and that's all the information I get out of it. Yeah. Well, when did this start? Like what move, you know, what movement is hurting it? There are a list of things I would need to know to even help. Yeah. Like there's, there's, and you know what it is in the end is like see Dane. Yeah. (laughs) Just go, just go see Dane. Because I'm not going to, that's a thing is by the time people back and forth with me about something that is feeling off, you know, they could have talked to you and you could diagnose it and pinpoint it and figure it out. Right. Cause some people go like a month of like, Oh, well this oh, yeah. is still bothering yeah. me. Okay. Well this hurts. Like all I can do is program and avoid it. And if you tell me something's hurting, I'm going to program to avoid it. So I'll have people that tell me something's hurting. I'll program to avoid it. Then they'll get mad that uh, like, Oh, I want to do these squats or whatever. I want to do this move. No, that movement hurts you. Why would I continue to program that movement? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not going to get better. Well, I'm well aware. Well, you need to get it taken this, care of. This is what you're telling me. I, right. I'm working with the information you're providing. You can't tell me your pec's about to fall off and say, let's keep benching. Right. Because your pec does fall off, then I'm the first one you're going to blame. <laughs> so, you know, that's, we only can use the information that we have. Um, but you need to know, like, is it the right time to let my coach know this? If I let my coaches before know, like every time something didn't feel good, holy shit. Yeah. You know, I might, and I might say that, like I might say, um, you know, a deadlift day back was pumping by the third set. So I dropped the weight down, you know, or I cut a set just to be safe. That's all the extent of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like, okay, well, where's your back hurting? Where's it pumping at? Okay. What about this, that? Like, cause I know damn well if it turns into a severe pain like one i'm just gonna come see you but if it turns into a lingering thing i'm gonna let them know hey like we've been taking care of it i've been seeing dane Mm -hmm. and uh back is you know probably about 80 percent what it normally is it's still good but we're not optimal like something like that but i'm already seeing you to repair it right not expecting my coach to tell me guys i am not a practitioner i'm not someone that's going to be qualified to come work on you and make you better you know especially for my online people you should have those people around you you should have already found somebody wherever you're at that knows your body and that you trust to work on your body and be actively looking for these people yes that is like one of the one of the biggest things within lifting and any fitness thing you're going to do is you need to have access to those people Mm. And you need to know when when to go see them. So, <sighs> all right, let's get to the questions. Okay, so we knock this thing out. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, one of them I got was uh, about how much food you should eat um, during pregnancy, how much more food or whatever. Uh, this is kind of variable. It's going to depend on the person. You know, again, all the variables that go into nutrition kind of go into this plus some others. Um, a general rule, I would say, one, you need to up your protein during pregnancy uh, each trimester. Um, now, debatable because it depends on how much you're already taking in. Because someone that is very fit and active usually takes in a lot more protein anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might not need to up it too much. So that's something, again, um, I would kind of consult with your doctor too. let, you know, 
let's see your blood work and let's see where things are at there before we go just ODing on protein. Um, plus, there's a lot of variables to that anyway. Like I said, how, how much lean mass do you have already to begin with? What type of workouts are you still doing? Stuff like that. So, um, But a general rule, I would say to stick to, um, it, guys, it doesn't take much. Hundred, I say 150 to 200 calorie increase per trimester. Think about it; it's not a whole lot. So, even in the third okay. trimester, eating somewhere between four and 600 extra calories is usually enough. Um, again, depends on how much food you're already eating. Um, depends on again following your doctor's guidance on the health of your baby things like that um and then your own health too so you know don't what i tell people too is like you do need to be aware of like uh you know gestational diabetes gestational diabetes is a thing Mm -hmm. so you need to be aware of that and that's something that they should be monitoring through blood work anyway um but you don't i always tell people like the whole thing of like you're eating for two just yes and no like you're not necessarily like it's not two full big human beings right. your size, right? Not so you don't your you don't need to go eat a whole Oreo pie, even though it sounds amazing. Because it does sound amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to eat the whole thing because it's two of you. No, like you, you got to remember that that like it's it it doesn't take that much more that many more calories to help the development of the baby, right? Um. It's you're gonna get urges, you're gonna get cravings, and that's a lot to do with hormones and hormonal changes. So, um, there's some things you can do to kind of combat that, you know. But at the same time, that changes for everyone too <clears throat> on what you can and can't. Well, there's the classic list of like you can't eat these things during pregnancy, right? Um, but each person might be a little bit different on how much they can intake of other sources okay so again that comes back to seeing your blood work so if your cholesterol is already through the roof and your you know uh sugars are high and things like that you know i'm sure your doctor is gonna um have you talk to like a dietitian or something like that um so i wouldn't go crazy on it let's put it that way I know it's hard. I'm not even going to claim to know. <laughs> I've never carried a baby in me. So I'm not going <laughs> to even claim to know what that feels like. Um, you know, but I can tell you from a, a scientific standpoint, you don't need to like dramatically like take in, you know, well, I need to take in 1,400 more calories or something crazy. So, and that will help you long term uh, postpartum to be able to keep things under control. So. Uh, what was you had one too that was pretty good uh wanted to ask about why high school teams should be doing mobility and why what they're currently doing isn't actually mobility work okay and um i mean i guess with that like you know i think there's some coaches who have the right idea yeah Um, are doing the right stuff. So what, what, what I guess what we're kind of mean by that is like the classic thing is you do like, okay, hold this hamstring stretch for 30 seconds, 20 seconds. Okay. Switch sides. 
you know, okay, stretch out your hip flexor. All right, all right let's go. You know, and you don't really do much. So we're talking like actual mobility. So I actually do know um, there were some wrestlers I trained. This was years ago. Um, that their high school, their coach actually did, I forget what, you know, what day they, what looks called a Friday. They did like yoga Friday okay, where they actually did like 30 minutes of yoga, um, for their wrestling, their whole wrestling team did it. So that's smart. Yeah. Um, there are some sport teams I've heard of that do that kind of stuff where it's like, um, they might put on and some of them use like like a CrossFit, like mobility wad thing or yeah. something like that. Um, and I know there's certain sports programs that do have that kind of built in if a team is following a sports program, mm-hmm. but you won't see it a lot in, um, you won't see it a lot in sports performance gyms, which is kind of crazy to me. And then you won't see it a lot in, um, in, in just like high general high school training. Right. You go to like, big time collegiate level you'll see more of it you know um you'll see like where they'll actually take the time to do different mobilizing things uh for a while i mean the practices are long it is what it is but um and you can almost see it like watch a high school football team warm up and then watch an nfl team warm up and you'll see like some differences you know that's one of those examples where it's like just because one is more talented doesn't mean that they require like a better warm-up for that it's like it's still a human body yeah you're still going to react the same way to what you're imposing upon it Mm -hmm. as far as like warming it up and what it needs yeah but they they just have someone that's more knowledgeable oh yeah uh teaching them and making sure that they're staying healthy so um I think that I think it's lack of priority. They don't prioritize it because they in those settings they're always trying to move quick. Yeah. You know, so it's like, all right, hurry up. We got to get this lifting done. Um, you know, hurry up and get this warm up done so we can get to lifting so then we can get to practice, you know, and then it's, worrying about you know practicing the plays and this and that because you know at the especially the high school level like they need to pound the playbook into their head make sure that's ran right it's Mm -hmm. not like so they don't prioritize these other things that can keep kids a little bit healthier make them a little bit better because they're so damn worried about the pounding the playbook into your head which guys if you if you don't understand a high school playbook like i i never understood how someone screwed up on plays like especially if you know your own position you know like it's not like the quarterback where you need to know like every route that's coming through every position you know what i mean like it's not overly complicated on what you're gonna do right um especially at the high school level so um like the injury prevention, yeah. like that's the easy answer, right? It's like, yes, this is going to help keep them healthier, prevent injuries. From the learning aspect, I mean, I can remember a number of the guys that I ran with had incredibly tight hamstrings. Yeah. So how much does that keep them from learning certain form? Yeah. How much do they end up compensating because of that? Because, you know, you don't take the time to balance out 
all of the running work that you're doing. And now you've got these really tight glute meat and TFL and it's affecting the IT band or it's mm-hmm. affecting the hamstrings. They're still going to be running, which means they're going to learn how to compensate. And this is the age where you want them to be learning proper form, like as good as possible so that they keep getting to build on that. Um, same thing with strength. Yeah. It's like, if you are unable to get into positions, I don't care who's coaching you. Like you're not going to have the right squat. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get into the right position for deadlift. You're not going to be able to show your true power output, you know, <laughs> on a lot of these things or potential. And I agree with you. I think that they're constantly in a rush where it's like, I have an hour, an hour and a half. I've got these group of kids and like, we've just got to get them moving. Yeah. And kids don't care about mobility. There was a local college here. Like I remember there was a bunch of their baseball players coming in to get memberships so they could actually do their lifts slower Mm -hmm. because they packed like the place was like a line out the door uh, from the training facility on what, um, whatever days you know what i mean mm-hmm. and each sport only had like 25 minutes to do their workout or something so they had to get in what yeah get their workout done and get out so the next sport could get in or whatever the hell um and then like that same college like now one of their teams is like looking for an, a place to train in because they have no Maybe they're not allowed to train in there more. There's no more time. I don't fucking know. But it's like, what kind of shit shows going on over there? <laughs> this is a yeah. D. This is a D two college. Like, you know, it's not like it's a fucking tiny school and it's semi, it's semi private. It's an expensive school. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> you know, I just want to, I just want to call them up. Like, hey, what? Get it the fuck together, dude. <laughs> like, you guys need some help over there or what? <laughs> uh, but. You see it all the time, sports kids that we train here. Um, you know, before we even like, you know, even some of them, like I'll even show them how to warm up and I'll catch them. Like I'll come out to do a one-on-one and I'll kind of watch them and they do like two quick things and then grab a barbell. I'm like, did you warm up? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you didn't. I just watched you. I just you. watched you. Yeah. I just watched you <laughs> grab the band, do a couple pull aparts and swing your leg around. Now you think you're ready to deadlift. Like, Nope. Try again. You know, but that's there. It's ingrained in them to like hurry up through their warm up just to get to the lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, so, all right, that's about it for today. Move on with our day. So, um, yeah, hopefully people got something out of that and learn a thing or two. So if you got questions or something, uh, throw them in the little podcast squares that we put up. I know I, I put mine up kind of quick today. But we'll try to get them out there earlier. So, all right, that's it.